0: Well, good morning. Would you agree that it's better to be here than in some hospital, right? It's good to laugh, good to worship, good to be together. Are you glad to be here today? Amen. Well, intersection um, is our 2016 theme, and uh, the last few weeks we've been challenged when our lives intersect with truth. God's truth gives us confidence in the written Word of God. God's truth is our spiritual nutrition source. God's truth is our spiritual weapon uh, to fight the enemies of our soul. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Last week, we were challenged to burn the ships from our past. If you were here at Cortez, uh, upon landing in Mexico, he ordered his men to burn the ships. In other words, there was no plan B. Um, it was all or nothing. The soldiers and the sailors, they had two emotions that day, fear and courage. They had to choose. Elisha was all in. When he burned the plow, he barbecued his oxen, and and he left the family farm to become an intern for the prophet Elijah. There was no turning back for Elisha. There was no turning back. When plan A in our lives gets kind of risky or costly, we can always settle for plan B, we think, right? And sometimes we'd rather settle for good than sacrifice for great. And, and like Cortez and, and like Elisha, we need to make a defining decision that will eliminate the possibilities of sailing back to the old way of life that we left behind. We've got to burn the ships. We've got to burn the plow. You burn the ships named past failure. You burn the ships of bad habit, the ship called regret and guilt. You leave the past and the past by burning those ships. You see, we want God to do something new in our life while we keep doing the same old thing. We want God to change our circumstances without us having to change at all. In the Apostle Paul, we talked about who had a past, Who had a history, he reminds us in Philippians chapter 3 forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Forgetting what's behind, I press on. I press on. Can I encourage you this morning? Stop regretting the past and start learning from it. Let go of guilt by leaning into God's grace. Quit beating yourself up and let the Spirit of God heal your heart. You see, Elisha could have played it safe. He could have had a cushy life. He he could have kept plowing the fields and inherited this family farm. He really could have, but he didn't. He made a defining decision. You and I, we can play it safe instead of stepping out in faith. We can protect our reputation instead of risking it. We can save our money instead of giving it to help others in need. Make the, the defining decision today. Burn, burn the ships. All of us at some point have felt unworthy of God's love and grace. Maybe you feel that way right now. Or you've felt that way in the past unworthy, unworthy of God's love and God's grace. It could be something that we did recently. It could be something we've done in our past, and we just can't seem to light the match to burn those ships. That no matter how hard we try to make up for what we did or, or to take back what we said, it just seems like it's not enough. The damage is done. So what do we do? We try even harder, with even more determination, to scrub the stain of our past, our sin. But we just can't shake the guilt. We can't shake the shame of what we've done. The stain just won't come out. The pain won't go away. And the memory of what we've done, it greets us every morning. And we have feelings of self-hate and, and self-disappointment in our hearts. On top of all that, we have realizations that we've let others around us down, and that can be very paralyzing. Our thoughts torment and they discourage they discourage us to the point that we feel overwhelmed. We feel this immense pressure that our world is closing in around us, and we feel unworthy of God's love and God's amazing grace. We, we just feel unworthy. And what we do so often is Instead of running to God, we want to run away from Him. Like what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They hid, and they, they hid from God because of their shame and their guilt. And like them, we do that. We move away. We hide from God because of our guilt, because of our sin. And we think that He doesn't love us anymore. We think that He's mad at us. And, and worst of all, at times in our lives, we believe that we are unworthy of His love, that we are unworthy of His grace. Somehow we're convinced we've gone too far beyond his reach that, you know, we have this thought or this this tightly held belief that pushes us even farther down the road away from God. You see, and that's exactly what the enemy wants for, for your life and mine is to move away from God. And so he'll pour on the guilt, he'll pour on the shame, he'll pour on the discouragement in your life. So what do you do when you feel unworthy of God's grace? What do you do when you feel your life is is just all a mess before God and, and you just feel so unworthy? Well, there's an amazing story in the Gospel of Luke. It's about a woman who literally crashed a Pharisee party. If you know anything about Pharisees in the in the New Testament, they didn't they didn't know what a party was. These guys were wound up so tight in all the religious beliefs and man-made traditions, they didn't even know how to have fun. And if they did, I'm pretty positive they would invent a rule or find a rule or a law to prevent from having fun. So we pick up the story in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. We all like to eat, right? That's a good thing. Get invited out to eat. Verse 37 I want you to catch the story. You may have heard this story a thousand times. You may have read it a million times. But I want you to see it with fresh eyes today. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Verse 38. And when she knelt behind him at his feet, Jesus, she began to weep. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Let that sink in. Feel the, feel the weight of, of, of the story, the characters involved. Jesus is eating dinner with this Pharisee, and in walks this woman. The Pharisees, they recognize her right away. She's a sinner. She's an immoral, a woman of the streets. And, and the, the, the Pharisee that invited Jesus, into, what, is, what is she doing here? Why is she in my home? This dinner party goes from eating and relaxing and visiting to, to really awkward, super quick. And she knelt behind Jesus and began to weep and, and to wash his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. See, on certain occasions, the Jewish people would lie down on their left side and and lean on their left elbows while they would eat with their right hand. This is how she was able to wash Jesus' feet from behind. Think about this act of worship on her part. Think about the embarrassment. Think about who's there watching. Think about this statement of faith that she was demonstrating here. She was not simply sniffling and, and pouting. No, she was weeping. Real tears. A lot of tears. Enough to wet Jesus' feet and for her to use her own hair to, to dry them off. No doubt she's weeping because of her sin. The weight of her reputation and her past, is, it's being expressed through her crying I don't know about you, but we kind of get nervous when we see people crying or weeping, right? We, we almost freeze because we don't know what to say or to do for them. That was the moment there. Picture it. But not only is she weeping, the tears are falling. She then pours on this expensive perfume all over Jesus' feet. She's risking the reputation or what little she had. And, and she knew that the Pharisees stoned to death women like her. But she didn't care. She didn't care. She used her most precious possession, this beautiful alabaster jar perfume, to make a profession of faith. Let me say that again. She used her most precious possession, this costly perfume, to make her profession of faith in Jesus. Well, what's so special about this alabaster jar of perfume anyway? What, I mean, really, what's the deal here? Well, Mark Batterson in his book, All In, goes on to explain, the, the alabaster jar perfume was, was pure nard. It was, um, it's an enduring herb that is harvested in the Himalayas, so it's rare and expensive. And the jar itself um, is made of semi-transparent gemstones, most likely a family heirloom. And this, this jar could have even, even have been her dowry. You see, a dowry was the money brought by the bride to the husband on their wedding day. Now think about this. This jar, this most precious possession that she owns, represented her past guilt and her future hope. Maybe she'll get married someday. It represented her professional identity as a prostitute and financial security. It was worth a lot. It was her most prized possession. This perfume used in her profession as a prostitute would become the token of her profession of faith in in Jesus. So in breaking this precious jar, it was her way of burning the ships in her past. She couldn't hide behind the, the, the beautiful scent any longer. No more using her perfume for her old way of life. She was dumping it out. You see, there's something about coming clean about our sin. Laying it all out there. There's something about falling hard on the grace of God. The author then asks a great question. He says this. Why do we, you and I, why do we act as though our sin disqualifies us from the grace of God? Why do we act as though our sin disqualifies us from the grace of God. Isn't that like us? Our sin, our past, is so bad that that God's grace can't forgive it? So we believe this lie and we run away from God's love and God's grace. Why do we act as though our sin disqualifies us from the grace of God? This is the only thing that qualifies us. Anything else is a self-righteous attempt to earn God's grace, God's favor. It was Paul who said in Ephesians, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you've done. So none of us can boast about it. It's all God's grace. Our sin qualifies us for his grace. We can't earn God's grace. It's a free gift. Always has been, always will be. And this woman gave it all. She held nothing back. She didn't give just a little. She didn't give just a lot, actually. She gave it all. She dumped it out. Her act of worship that day, by breaking this jar, this family heirloom, was her confession of her past. I'm all in. I'm following Christ all the way. Radical repentance means going all in. You see, a half-hearted confession of sin always results in a half-hearted love for Christ. We've got to go all in. We've got to burn the ships. So let me ask you this question, series of questions this morning. What's the most important thing in your life? I've had to wrestle with this. What's the most important thing in your life? Is it your spouse? Your children? Is it your health? Is it your job, your paycheck, your house, your car? Is it your hobbies? Is it your past accomplishments and trophies? Your future goals? What is most precious to you? I want you to take a moment and I want you to identify that in your life. You don't need to tell anybody. What is most precious to you? Do you have it? Do you know what it is? It could be something that I didn't even ask, something else. Because whatever is most important to you is your alabaster jar of perfume. And just like the woman in the story, when you break the alabaster jar, it's giving what is most precious to you to God. You're offering Him your past, your present, and your future. It's about finding your identity. It's about finding your security in Christ, in Christ alone. Because you can't find your identity and security in past failures, in past successes. It can only, only be found in Christ. You can't find those things in relationships or in things or in, in your job or even your bank account. Those are all good things to have in your life. But we can't find our identity and security in them. We try. We really try to do those things, and, but, they, but they don't satisfy. They don't fulfill. Only Christ. And to this woman, her alabaster jar was, was an intimate expression of, of her love for Jesus. It was a holy moment there. It was an extravagant expression of her faith. Do you love Jesus more than your most precious possession do you love Jesus more than your deepest desire, your greatest goal in life? Do you love Jesus more than that? Do you love Jesus more than your proudest accomplishment? Oftentimes, um, our alabaster jar is, is money. Money and we can get defensive about the subject of money but Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about heaven and hell so maybe that's why he spoke about it so much because he knew that it was a sensitive issue see your bank statement and mine reveals our true priorities let me quote the author once again he says this quote obedience can be measured in dollars so can faith so can sacrifice it's certainly not the only measure, but it's one of the most accurate. If we give God 2% of our income, we can really say we are can we really say we are 100% committed to him? I think not. If we give God our leftovers instead of the, our, our first fruits, can we really say we're seeking first his kingdom? God doesn't need our money, but he does want our hearts. And where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. Happiness is not the byproduct of making more money. It's the byproduct of giving more money, no matter how much we make. There's a story. A man and his 10-year-old son were on a fishing trip miles from home and being good Christians. uh, They decided to attend church, to attend the worship service at a small rural church. And forgot, the, the father forgot to bring any cash, and so he reached into his pocket, and he, he gave his son a dime to drop in the offering plate as it passed by. And as they walked back to their car after the service, the father complained, Man, that service was too long. Uh, uh, the sermon was boring, and the singing was off-key, and on and on he's complaining. Finally, the boy said with a grin, Dad, I thought it was pretty good for a dime. And Jesus warns us, um, your heart will be where your treasure is. So follow your heart, and you'll find where your treasure is. What you? What is your most precious possession? Is God more important than money? Is he more important than anything in your life? You see, our reactions reveal more about us than our actions. When the disciples at that dinner party saw this woman with the perfume, break the jar and, and dump it on Jesus' feet. You know, they thought it was a big waste. What is she doing? They, they were offended at what she was doing. But Jesus defended her, her actions. And what they called a waste, Jesus called a beautiful thing. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew. She has done a beautiful thing to me. I tell you the truth, whoever wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Wow. Can you imagine this woman hearing those words from Jesus, what it must have done to her self-esteem, her self-image, her self-worth? No one can spot potential in others like Jesus can. No one. He's the one that gave it to us anyway in the first place. And I love this quote. Potential is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift back to him. Potential is God's gift to you and I. What we do with that potential is our gift back to God. Jesus gave this woman something to live up to. The Pharisees only complained that Jesus didn't know who was touching him and what kind of woman she was. She she was a sinner, That's all that they could see in this lady. That's all that they wanted to see, her failing, her reputation, her sin. But Jesus saw past her past. He saw past her sin. Jesus saw a little girl who had hopes and dreams, just like any other ordinary girl. Truth is, Jesus sees his image in you and me. When God looks at you, he sees his son's image there. You see, the Pharisees treat people based on past performance, but Jesus treats people based on future potential. Pharisees give, something, give people something to live down to. Jesus gives people something to live up to. Pharisees write people off. Jesus writes people in. Pharisees see sin. Jesus sees the image of God. Pharisees give up on people. Jesus gives them a second chance. No wonder the broken, the hurting, the discouraged, the outcast, the marginalized people were drawn to Jesus. He loved them as they were. He loved them. As I close this morning, what do you do when you feel unworthy of God's love and grace? You think back to your past, what you did or what you said, and you just feel unworthy. You feel like his grace and his love cannot reach you. What do you do? May I encourage you this morning to do what this woman did. She was not on the guest list at this dinner party. She crashed the party. She emptied herself like she did with that expensive alabaster jar. It was her defining decision, her extravagant expression of faith. It was her way of burning the ships from her past. And Jesus saw what she was doing, saw her heart, saw the desperation in her actions and her weeping. He says in Luke 7, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, and he probably looks right in her eyes, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Jesus honored this prostitute who crashed the party by restoring her dignity and giving her a new hope and a future. And God, is he's still the same today. He'll do that for you and for me. God cannot give up on you. It's not in his nature. And as Dave Ramsey would say, he's not mad at you. He misses you. You see, true spirituality is the place where desperation meets Jesus. And this woman met Jesus, and her life was forever changed. She was broken. She was hurting. She was in turmoil. She was in pain. And she came to Jesus this way, but when she left that party, her sin was forgiven. Her past was forgiven. She gave her all, and God gave his. That's how you get rid of the shame and the guilt removed from your life. By being forgiven by Jesus, receiving his grace, and it's free for all. How desperate are you today? Are you desperate enough to to make a move, to make a change, to make a sacrifice? Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and there may be some that struggle with feeling unworthy of your grace and your love but it's our sin that qualifies us for that grace that we so desperately need. And we struggle with wanting to earn your favor and to earn your love, but we can't. You just do. There's nothing that can separate us from your love, nothing. And I pray today for those that are struggling and just receiving your grace, that they would just receive it. They would fall hard on your grace. Come clean with their sin. And do what this woman did. Give their all. God, you promised to give your all back. I pray for every heart by your Holy Spirit. Do a deep work. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.